1999, live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Putkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Who broke your heart? Is there one that stands out? Oh, Adrian Peterson. Man, I love them. I loved Adrian. Oklahoma better offered a better package no, it, to him. It, this, this is a true story. We go we go down to see Adrian, me and Pete, and uh, his mother ran track at, I think it was at Houston. Wonderful lady. And Adrian and I had a great relationship. He loved Pete Carroll, but I felt like he and I were very tight. One time he says, Coach, I went to this school. He says, Coach, I want you to follow me. I couldn't, I couldn't drive with him. We went 30 miles. I said, I didn't know where we are going. We stopped at this little country store, and he bought a gingerbread cookie. I couldn't buy it for him for supper. And then we went to a basketball game. And we sat in the, sat in the, in the gym, and I said, what are we doing? He said, you see that guard right there? I got to play him next week. Coach, come and scout him. How about that? <laughs> then he, I said, well, Adrian, what is the key to getting you here at USC? He says, Coach, well, Bob Stoops, my dad is incarcerated. Bob Stoops won't see him. Well, me and Pete Carroll tried to go get him. And to go see him, they wouldn't let us in. But Adrian said, Coach, my dad is be able to watch my games where he's at. Well, if I go to Oklahoma, I tried to get the guy transferred to Los Angeles. <laughs> Wait, you tried to get Adrian's dad? <laughs> yeah, I tried. <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, I competed. <laughs> I competed. Couldn't get it done, but I competed. What does it say about his recruiting skills that the D-line coach at USC is recruiting a running back in Texas, right? Well, he he can. That's one thing he can do. Whether you can understand him or not, he can relate, and he comes across as, like, exciting and genuine. I mean, you can't take that away from him. That may be part of it. Like, no one really knows fully what he's saying, and that's part of the allure uh, but what a story. That's that's fascinating. And as you and I joked uh, during hour one, I don't think Nelson would have wanted to yeah. get transferred to an L.A. area prison instead of where he was at. Yeah, and I'm not... I'm not here to say that any uh, prison is a walk in the park. I have no idea. Uh, but, yeah, out west, um, yeah, Known to have some of the uh, some of the toughest prisons there are, so uh, yeah, that's crazy though. Tried to get <laughs> that's like desperation right there. That that's you want a kid so bad you'll do anything. I wonder who you who do you go to? Do you go to like the mayor of Los Angeles? Do you develop a relationship with a warden somewhere? I mean, you gotta you gotta really make an effort on that one. I would love. I would love to hear, like, the background on that call. Like, whoever they called in the federal penitentiary, like, hierarchy and just hear what their pitch was. What do we got to do to get a guy transferred out here? Uh, You can't. Okay, well, what do we have to do, air quotes, to get a guy transferred out here? You know what I'm saying? That is fascinating. Well, what if it worked? And Adrian Peterson went to USC because his dad got transferred out there. What a wild story that would end up being. It's crazy. They would have had Adrian Peterson, Reggie Bush, well, and Lindale White all at the same time, by the way. That's what I'm trying to – I was just looking up what year Reggie White went to Reggie USC. Reggie Bush. 
Reggie what? Reggie Bush went to uh, went to USC. His last year was 05. Leinert and Bush's last year was 05. Yeah, they came back for that 05 year. Uh, they lost to Texas that season in in the Natty. Did he they leave were, early? So he was he like a 0-2-3? I don't know if five? he left early. Uh, Leinert and Bush were there in 03 when they split that Natty with LSU. They may were they may have been well. At Mo- Leinert was a three year starter because Carson Palmer won the Heisman in 2002. Right. I think they were. I Leinert was a four year guy. I, maybe Reggie Bush was too. Maybe not. Maybe he le- he's the only one I'm confused about. Yeah, that's interesting. That that is, God. That's I don't, I don't even know. I guess you always do whatever you can to get the best players in, but you would think with those guys in the backfield that you might skip trying to meddle with a federal penitentiary to get a guy transferred across the country. That might not be labeled as cheating and recruiting, but it's it's something. I mean, it's. It, I don't think it's, it's labeled something. as cheating and recruiting because no one ever thought that right. th- of that scenario may take place. Right? It's unbelievable. Uh, by the way, not a great weekend for Adrian Peterson. I don't know if you saw that or not. I did. I um, if this is true, I don't think he'll ever play in the NFL again. Well, what I read was. Uh, originally, there wasn't much information as to what happened. Just th- that she had some type of injury or whatever. The latest thing I read, and I'm not trying to make it sound good or anything, was that he like grabbed the wedding ring and pulled it off of her finger and like scratched her hand or something. And again, I'm not saying that it's that it's um good by any means, but I, I just I don't know. I feel like that's this is one of those things that is not ultimately gonna be prosecuted well i mean even if he's even if it's not true or not as bad as originally ported i didn't i didn't know if if he was going to play in the nfl again regardless right no so i i I would lean on that we don't see him in the league again probably right probably not rooting for that um and we'll see what comes out of this thing but if if he if he committed what was reported then yeah he, he deserves to be punished for sure yep um interesting Interesting. Yeah, when I saw that come out, I was like, oh boy, what do we got here? And kind of shockingly, it seemed like it didn't ever grab that much attention, you know? I figured something like that would be like bottom line, breaking type of news. But Day of the Super Bowl. That's yeah. what happens, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's right. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. You hear uh, Parker and I talking about this Brett McMurphy story today? I did. He's got his way too early bowl projections out, and he's got OU and USC in the Alamo Bowl. Um, won't happen. One, I think OU will be better than the Alamo Bowl. Two, I don't think USC will be good enough for the Alamo Bowl. And three, I don't even think Brett McMurphy believes that that'll be the bowl pairing. He's just... Smart enough to know that that will get a lot of attention if he projects those two teams in a bowl game. Right. Yep. That's what's going on. Um, I I don't think that it's frustrating, man. It it really is. Um, it's frustrating whenever you know what people are doing. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I know why, but it's just it's cheap. You know. Write a 
write a good article with good information, with good background, uh, maybe with good quotes from good people. I, that's how you should generate your, your viewership and your clicks on your articles. It's way too easy to do something outlandish, piss off a fan base, know that they're all going to start sending that article to each other and say, did you see what this idiot did? Look at this. And before you know it, your article's blown up. It didn't blow up because of how well-written it is or how well-sourced it is. It blew up because you poked the bear on purpose. Sure. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. It's, it's, it's cheap. It's cheap. It's, it's totally That's right. cheap. It's all it is. By the time we kick off uh, – you know, whenever everyone does their real preseason stuff, not their way too early. The way too early is a way to write an article, leave someone out, get a fan base all pissed off that they're going to consume your content and, you know, get some some easy attention off of it. Whenever everyone writes their final article with their top 25 and their bold projections, guess what? They're all going to have Oklahoma in the top 25. They're going to have Oklahoma in better bowls. It's just... Yeah, and I, and I don't have an issue with a national person like coming out with an article that has legitimate reasons as to why you know maybe OU won't be as good as, as I think. Now, I, I still might make fun of it a little bit because I'll disagree with it, but there's no like any actual real legitimate points here. It's just like... What you said, again, it's like cheap, and I don't even know if this guy believes it. He just puts a random matchup in the Alamo Bowl just to kind of – because, yeah, I give me – if you want to give a strong opinion, that's cool. I respect that, but let's give some legitimate reasons why OU will be an 8- or 9-win team and go to the Alamo Bowl next year. That's all right. I ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I. What do you think, though, if – because he's got Oklahoma and USC, obviously, and there's your real um, that that that's your that's whenever you pull off the mask. Oklahoma versus USC in the Alamo Bowl. Do you really think that's going to happen, or did you write the article to end up at that prediction? Option and number two, there. That's right. Um, which I got to tell you, USC would be thrilled to play Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl, right? Uh, Oklahoma would be pissed off to be in the Alamo Bowl two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be. Now, if we have a bad season and we don't pull some things together like I feel like we're going to and we do end up in the Alamo Bowl, I pray that it's USC. I don't know if USC would accept that invite. What do you mean? I, I think so little of that guy out there. I think that he is so weak that he would find a way. It wouldn't surprise me if somewhere in that contract it's, okay, if it's a non-New Year Six Bowl game and we're matched up, uh, we're going to take another bowl bid as well. I, and I'm, not, I, I'm serious on this. Like I'm not just saying it. I honestly believe if that were the matchup that looked likely, he would weasel his way out of it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I, honest to God, especially next year, especially next year, I believe that. He'd find a way out. An outbreak of COVID-22? Seriously, something. I, I don't know what the excuse is, but he'd, he'd find one. Or they would just accept another bowl bid el- elsewhere and not right. come up with an excuse. Now, let's talk about the college football 
playoff that he predicted. Peach Bowl, number one, Alabama versus number four, Clemson. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, number two, Ohio State, number three, Georgia. You like that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. It's hard um, to get anyone else like I, – I guess I'm a little bit confused as to, you know, Clemson had such a rough year last year picking them to go to the college football playoff when outside Dabo, the best part of their staff, is at OU now, and you think OU's just going to suck and, and tank next year. Right. You know, like that's that's a little bit odd to me. But I'm I'm fine with that. It does seem like next year is a collision course for Alabama and Ohio State to meet the championship game. But I think if Georgia, one of these young quarterbacks, ends up being really good, that could throw a major wrench into things. Yeah. But I do believe that we've set up now, now that Georgia has emerged kind of, you know, winning that national title is a big deal. We've set ourselves up in this four-team playoff where – the argument used to be, no, you can't put two teams in from the same conference in the in the semifinal. You right. just can't do it. Three years ago, there there was strong points everywhere. You can't do it. Now it's almost expected as we move forward that two teams will be from the SEC. Right. Well, the Clemson thing is, I think that they will probably make it, and it has nothing to do with Clemson. It has everything to do with how crappy their schedule is. Well, he thinks the ACC is going to be great. Look how many teams he has in the New Year's Six. Yeah, what do you have? NC State and Wake and Forest in New Year's Six bowl games. Both of those teams are going to be uh, – well, I don't know much Wake about could NC be, State. Wake could be all right. Yeah. I, Maybe. They're both going to lose to, to Clemson, in my opinion. And uh, are we – it's 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 so early. We haven't even seen Gabriel in this offense. At we've seen him in this offense, but not at Oklahoma. I and maybe I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but our schedule is so manageable that I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Oklahoma has a shot at making the playoff. Totally now, agree. I don't. I would not say that we're going to be – things always change. We're a long ways out, and a team can grow a bunch in a year. But um, I think there's a chance that we could make a playoff. I don't think we've got – I don't think we've got the depth and the talent necessarily yet at all of the necessary positions to be able to to win a championship. Or even win a semifinal, but they could go undefeated. They're not going to be. I mean, I don't think that they'll be an underdog in any game next year, and that is that's going to be kind of interesting, They'll right? Probably be an underdog against UTEP. Well, to start off the that's season. well, that's what I was about to bring up. Is the national media would have OU and UTEP as a pick'em in Norman next year, but the Vegas isn't about getting clicks. Vegas is about making money, and I'm going to go ahead and bet that when the early lines come out. Vegas is going to be singing a little bit different of a tune on OU than the rest of these national media dorks that are just trying to get a click here and there. Yeah. Like I, I, when those numbers come out, it's going to be like, whoa, Vegas has a much different opinion than everyone. Vegas seems to side with us a little bit on what's going what's gonna to happen next year. I'm, I think the Nebraska game is going to be a tough one. I think the Texas game is going to be a tough one. Outside of that, 
as as long as we we come together, like I think outside of that, I think we should be a huge favorite in pretty much the rest of the games. Like Oklahoma lost a lot of people, but we've got a good deep roster of good recruiting over previous years, top ten type classes, pretty routinely. I there's no one else that has that. Oklahoma State lost a ton of guys. Baylor lost a ton of guys. Yeah. Iowa State lost a ton of guys. So And no and no none of those teams did a better job in the transfer portal than than OU did. Right. And probably with their incoming recruiting class. Texas, I'm trying to think who all who all did Texas lose? Did they lose Overshone? Is Overshone gone or is he coming back? That's the only guy that I would Xavier Worthy's back. He's a really good player at he's receiver. Back. If Overshone's back, that was he's. Yeah, I thought he's their best player last year. We don't know who the defense. quarterback's going to be. I know they got the Ewers kid to transfer back, but uh, I think it's uh, unknown at best as to what's going to transpire with him. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I think Texas and and Nebraska are going to be the two most difficult games. And I'm not even sure what Nebraska is going to be. A lot of people may be yelling, "What about Oklahoma State?" I no. um, yeah, I just I'm not buying. McMurphy picked them to win the Big Twelve and, and go to the Sugar Bowl. I no way I see it. McMurphy and, is drunk. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's no way. And that is not. They didn't a, even win it this year. Didn't even win it this year. And this is not an anti-Oklahoma State thing. I have no problem giving Oklahoma State props whenever. They deserve it, and they've earned it. They had a great defense last year. They had a average offense, and they lost a huge chunk of that defense. Most, almost everyone, like the the critical players on it, um, they lost their defensive coordinator. They don't have a. They just don't have a a top-end roster with a lot of great recruits. Now, there's going to be some good players that are left over. I understand that. But it's not a bunch of fifth-year senior guys like they had last year. And I hate to say it, but their quarterback still is middle-of-the-road at best in the Big 12. I think they're also going to have to play OU at the worst time of the year. They have to come to Norman on November 19th. November 19th is not when you're going to have want to play OU if you're in the same conference. You want to play them on, you know, September 19th. I don't even know. You, you fare much better on September 19th than you would November 19th. Right. This team's going to be whatever hitting on all cylinders means for them next year. That's I think that that's where they'll be late November. That's so interesting. This on ESPN, I'm looking at it right here. It has the Oklahoma State game on the 18th. Huh. But Sooner Sports has it on the 19th. They're off on all of them by one day. <laughs> Go figure on <laughs> that's, that That's deal. so weird. They're off on everything by one day. Interesting. Um, yeah. I. Uh, but I'm sure their awesome NBA coverage is just spot on with the dates. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, Oklahoma State. I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. The Sanders kid is, I mean, we've seen what he's got. And at times he can be, he can be good. He can be explosive, but he still turns the ball over too much. He's not a very accurate passer. It's, I, I there's no way I would make that. He prediction. he can he can uh, he can be great. I mean, he was awesome in the 
Fiesta Bowl, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But as awesome as he was in the Fiesta Bowl, he was terrible in the Big 12 championship game, and that's what you're saying. It's like one extreme or the other, and he can't – that can't be the case next year if they're going to go 10-2 and or 11-1. and Right. They, they, I mean, they won despite him a lot this year. Yeah. He is – he's way too up and down. And maybe he continues to gain more experience and and, and play a little bit better. But last year – it was really telling that what they did in critical junctures and they did everything they could to take the game out of his hands. And that's how they ended up playing way better uh, throughout the season is relying on their defense, stick with the running game, super, super conservative on offense. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. A call. Don't just win a heart, win a big jackpot at Riverwind. Maybe cuddle up for a game of poker. Or fall in love with that beautiful blackjack. There's 80 grand to be won in our river of romance. And you'll love five times entries on Mondays and Tuesdays. Only at the one. Electric cooperatives don't just generate power, they generate ideas. At Oklahoma Electric Cooperative, we never stop thinking of ways to help everyone become more energy efficient. We invest our resources in technologies that build a brighter tomorrow. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler and Teddy were inside the Brian O'Haver studio on this Monday. Random thought earlier today about this OU offense moving forward. Muleshoe used a lot of the H-backs. Yeah. And then we would talk about a tight end for four years, wondering when he was going to get more involved Mm -hmm. on his last year in campus. That's when he would finally break through and have a really good year. I'm wondering what the priority level for Jeff Lebby is going to be for H-backs and tight ends. A little bit for reference, his tight end last year at Ole Miss, seven catches, 150 yards, just one touchdown, so not a lot there. But the year before, Kenny Yaboa, 27 catches, 524 yards, six touchdowns in just eight games. And he led the team 19 yards per catch. Yeah, I think, you know, just like any good coordinator – um, Lebby is going to play to his personnel. If he's got great, capable tight ends, I think he'll probably build him, build them into what they do quite a bit. Um, so I, I think it all just kind of depends on how those guys advance and what the real strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, I, I think that you'll see, I think you'll see a lot of two and three tight end sets from Oklahoma. Heavy physical run game, boot off of it, and obviously play action pass with with up tempo stuff. And we've got guys that are capable at tight end of being able to split out, and you can formation people going up tempo with big personnel groupings that can be very difficult to defend. So 
I don't know. I'm I'm kind of anxious to learn about that as we go as well, you know. And Lincoln was pretty easy to get a beat on as to what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, having watched him for so long, and I've I've seen quite a bit of Levy stuff, but you know he's going to change some things with this roster, and he'll probably carry over some things from the last offense with with the coaching staff and what they like and what they they think fits and i think he'll take some of that uh advice from those guys so i think you could kind of get a a hybrid of of what lebby's done and and maybe some of the stuff that's left over from lincoln with his coaching staff you're doing things to a lot of different people now saying that you think that they could have multiple tight ends on a given play um, yeah. that's that's doing something for some people out there and they they brought in the what the big kid from missouri that looks like an ideal candidate to kind of split out there as a blocking tight end on right. short yardage situation. So, I, I I think that he just wants. It seems like he wants he wants tight ends that can go catch the ball. He wants tight ends with big bodies that can block as well. He kind of just wants everything at his disposal to use. You know, whatever whatever he sees fit in the game plan. Yeah, he well, doesn't want to pigeonhole you know a certain player in a certain position. He can only do this. I that's what I feel like. I'm I'm I bet that he's not even sure yet, and probably won't even really be sure until they start to get some eyes on these guys in drills in in some of their their walkthrough. Like they can air quotes practice now, or at least go out there and spend time on the field. They I don't think they can use any footballs, but they can they can kind of go through like walkthroughs and, and install and stuff like that. So I think whenever you combine that with watching some of these guys through offseason workouts and what their their movements are, strengths and weaknesses, and then once you get into spring and, you know, there'll be a lot of basic install, but there's also going to be some evaluation as to who's our who are our guys and how do we find a way to build on what they're best at and – put that into our offense. And I think that's going to be kind of the same thing defensively. You know, I feel like, you know, Venables has has a scheme. He has a system that he's he's used. And I'm sure he's going to implement that on, like, the basic level, right? Like, all of your base rules, and this is the defense we're running. But as you figure out who your players are, you'll, you'll find what – areas in your playbook you're going to highlight and build on and what areas in your playbook that you're going to scrap and and not do nearly as much as maybe you did somewhere else text line wants to know what the advantages or disadvantages will be having an offensive play caller up in the booth for the first time in several years um well you can see everything way better um he he can relay it down in real time uh, from what he sees, counting the box, uh, substitutions on the defensive side, it's it's really hard to see things from the field level. Yeah, do you think it's harder to see? Is it harder to see or easier to see when you're just kicking someone's, you know what, up front running the football? Like, is it easier to see that up in the box compared to down on field level, or is yes. it actually easier in field level? It's it's easier up in the box. Everything's easier in the box because on field level, it's hard to see what gap stuff is hitting in. Like you can see that you're getting movement, but it's hard to really see. 
Uh, you can't see the gaps and stuff as well. You can't see the safeties. It's it's way e- you can't see the entire picture. Well, just from that, I, I like being up in the booth better. Then, if you yeah. can see that you're just dominating someone in the run game, and it's like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe you're more apt to stick with it if you've got that perspective rather than down on the field. Now, maybe a negative is if you have a young quarterback, you'd like to be able to talk to him on the side. Uh, I think you've they got other coaches for that right now with the personnel that they have. So I don't. You don't have a young quarterback. You got an experienced quarterback, but even if they did, I I still prefer up in the booth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I jeez. There's very few offensive coordinators that call it from the field, isn't there? Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I think there's very few. Um. Could be wrong, unless they're like a head coach, right, that calls it from down there. But I don't know. Like, for me, because I used to do the the sideline analysis stuff, you can't see. You, you have to, like, almost fixate on individual players instead of being back away from it where you can see the entire picture. I was surprised. I was able to be on the sidelines for a couple of years, um, and a three-yard gain looked like a nine-yard gain. Yeah, I mean seriously, yep. <laughs> it's, it's hard, man. Yeah, you, it's 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 really hard to tell what what like the biggest thing, like I said, is the gaps. Like it's hard to tell where something's hitting. What like who are you blowing off the ball? Um, like how are the corners playing? Like you can you can be up in the box and go up there and run the little hurry up fake snap and see like the far side corner is, you know, he's up in press. Right or he he was off, but you know he's rolling up into press, and you can quickly call because you can see the whole picture. You can quickly call a fade or something. You know, I it's think it's just way easier to see the whole picture and and call things accordingly because like the way this offense is going to work is they're going to go tempo, 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 and then when they get to a critical juncture, they're going to give the appearance of tempo, force your hand to show what you're doing. And then make changes accordingly. Yeah, and you know, def- there's cat and mouse going on there too. Defenses will try and change what they're in, but you know, he he doesn't make wholesale changes. A lot of times, teams will say, "Oh, well, they're you know they got a light box," and then you start like moving an entire formation. He typically doesn't do that. He typically just changes the call quickly within that same formation and. You don't spend a whole lot of time screwing around, moving a bunch of bodies out there. You're just changing where you're placing the football. Peyton says, uh, have him pick up the damn phone if he needs to talk to them. Yes, I agree, Peyton. This one says, uh, Teddy, other than our home stadium, what venue has been your most favorite to call a game in? Um, You don't get historic. Like I was all nerdy about the Rose Bowl, and you were like, dude, it's a stupid bowl. The stadium sucks. <laughs> like, right. oh, stop it. Uh. That was, I was on the sideline for that game, and that was that was a cool sideline because there's a ton of room and you could walk back and forth really easily. Um, my favorite, as far as like position to call the game, was the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, it was down low, right? It was perfect. Mm. The booth was perfect. It was open air. Um, it was like the per. It was low enough, but st- it was just it was perfect. The nicest booth I've ever seen is the one at AT and T Stadium, though. 
It's huge. It's got its own bathroom in it. Mm-hmm. There's pictures of Brad Sham everywhere. Yeah. Don't know if Brad Sham uh, hung those pictures up himself or <laughs> what's going on in there, but uh, that's not a great view, but a amazing it's like a suite it's it's like one of their suites essentially yeah they've got you in a corner um those nfl stadiums man they don't the real estate is very well thought out they're not giving radio booths any of that uh 50 yard line mess uh any of the new stadiums anyways um most of them are pretty good the suckiest is the orange bowl or whatever that stadium's called what is it Used to be pro player. It, I mean, it seems like it changes every. I think is it Hard Rock Stadium yeah, now? I think that's right. If it hadn't changed, that one is the absolute crappiest I've ever called a game in. That sucks though, because I hundred percent agree with it. The Orange Bowl is my least favorite of the rotating New Year's Six Bowl games. That should be the most special one to yeah. this fan base because, yeah. like the, the the best days of this program. A lot of those have happened in Miami, Florida. So it should just be one of those places where that's almost your second home. Like, you go to Miami, and it's like, dang, this kind of feels like home. But it's it's awful. It's terrible. I don't don't like it at all either. The stadium stinks. There's just nothing charming about it. That's that's a real bummer. OU needs to win a natty somewhere else to kind of start off a new place, I feel like. Yeah, I think the Sugar Bowl is – Okay, I Won think you're games there. way up in the top uh, for the booth. But, yeah, I don't know. All I know is the favorite, like, vantage point was the Alamo Dome. Um, like Baylor has a great one. Tech has a great one. TCU is pretty bad because you're right by the speaker, but otherwise the booth is nice. There's some give and take there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Stay tuned. Final hour of the rush right here on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans, Tyler and Teddy. Air Cover Solutions text line. I'll get to that momentarily, 651-3439. Final hour brought to you by Riverwind Casino and Hotel. Parker and I were having a conversation during Locked In today. I said, uh, Parker, if they were ever going to make the spring game a big recruiting weekend, they better do it this year because I'm serious, man. I feel like this spring game crowd this year – it's going to be the largest we've ever seen and maybe the largest we'll, we'll ever see with all the excitement that's around the, the program right now. Have they set a... I don't, think, I don't believe they set a date yet. Hmm. But what we normally get mid-April? Yeah. Right around there? Well, I know that Venables has set a date, I'm sure. Oh, well, he's got the next 18 <laughs> months mapped out. Yeah, I April sixteenth would be my guess, but I have no insight. That's why would you say April sixteenth? It's a Saturday. Ooh, no, 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 no. How about April fifteenth, Friday nights? Ooh, yeah. I I can get down with that. Um, that is Good Friday, though. Does that and Tax Day? Mm. Easter weekend. Think they'd have it on Easter weekend? Have they, haven't they done that before? I don't. I, do, I don't. I don't know. Huh. 
I don't know. I'm down for a night game though. I don't care. It doesn't to me it doesn't matter if it's Friday or Saturday. Give me a night game. And my guess is that's not going to happen. I don't know why, but I doubt they play it under the lights. Whenever it's a See, one of the problems is it's going to be a state or like a statue unveiling, right? And allegedly allegedly and that stuff is going to happen like in the morning well you don't want to be up there that early or what i no no you don't want to make it an all-day affair that is exactly what i'm trying to avoid yeah well it It, is a saturday it's i do not want it to be an all-day affair supposed to be on april 23rd is what the uh, text line saying texas is at 6 p.m that same day so the week after Hmm. uh easter 6 p.m texas Mm mm-hmm Huh. Which, don't worry about them. They'll have about 2,000 in attendance at their spring game. Well, that, don't they all want to go watch Quinn Ewers play? Yeah, all 2,000 of them want to go watch Quinn Ewers play. <laughs> uh, why, are they, why are they doing theirs at, at 6 o'clock? Because they know that nighttime uh, spring games are awesome. That's why. Of course they're awesome. Allow maybe more people to get into town. I don't know. Uh, yeah, see... That's the Friday night thing. If you're doing a a big recruiting weekend, that that's going to make it makes difficult. Makes it tough. I mean, they're not in season at that point, but it still makes it, Flights it makes it tougher and, and everything. But if you do it at night, Saturday night, it's easy to get everyone's flights in all day. Uh, you can spend time with the recruits. I think it's <laughs> look at me trying to pitch the coaches as to why they should have it on the. Uh, the evening of of Saturday, so I don't know. April twenty we'll third at two o'clock in the afternoon, according to a tweet from Ethan Downs' dad. That's how I was wondering how everyone knew this. So the uh, players' dads are breaking the news now on Twitter and you know all that stuff. I love it. That's great. Huh. I if OU hasn't released it, the players don't know. You sure? Yes. Okay. Then it'd be an odd thing for Ethan Downs' dad just to tweet out that, unless he's trying to troll everyone. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess there's no way the players have been. They haven't even started spring ball yet. Yeah, but you did say that he has the next 18 months mapped out, so maybe somehow he knows. What? Whatever. Well, it'll, I, it'll, it'll be. I guess that's weekends. true. Maybe they've already given the players their their. Their spring football, like their whole calendar for the spring semester. Maybe they have. If they have, then that's good and easy to plan for. So maybe that is the case. Yeah, it'll be packed. Uh, By the way, text line does say we know why Teddy really likes the Texas Tech press box. I thought that. Not sure why I didn't say it, but um, yeah, no wonder you like it up there. Fair point. You saw, uh, uh, you know, it will always hold a place in my heart. Miami has great pre and post game for fans on South Beach, second only to the French Quarter for all fans to be in the same location. Yeah, and not that, not that New Orleans is cheap, but Miami that's twenty dollar beer night out there. Great pre and post game. I've never, I've never. You can't pre and post game at South Beach if you're going to the game, right? It's, Especially not in a budget either. No, it's like 45 minutes away with traffic in and out. There's nothing charming to me about the Orange Bowl and Miami as a bowl city. No one cares 
Um, it's the stadium's not great. It's hard to get. I mean, it's just it's not it's not cool. Now, I'm I totally agree about South Beach being a great place to hang out and and enjoy the festivities, but that's one of the main problems I have with the 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 Orange Bowl is the stadium is so far away from that like you can't like you have to pregame at like you have to leave like three hours before game to get out to the if you're on South Beach. Now I'm sure there's some stuff going on out in the parking lot and everything in um where is it in Coconut Grove? Where is the stadium? Miami Gardens, I Miami think, Gardens? Is, is technically where it's at. Now, where is that in relation to Miami? Do not ask me. I'm just pretty sure that the stadium is in like Miami Gardens. Right. Did someone get shot in the parking lot the last time we were there? <laughs> that, that, or was that, that the, was, that the, that was the Rose Bowl? Yeah, that was uh, that was after the UCLA. Okay. Game. Yeah. Well, after the game ended, it was at night, and like everyone was walking out, and there were gunshots. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. gotta love it. LA California. baby, let's go. Have, have fun with that mule shoe walking out of the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Try to recruit with that going on. Uh, hey, but I'm with you. I think the spring game is is going to be huge, massively attended. And how do you think they're going to do the like the summer recruiting thing that OU's been doing? Like the Champion Barbecue, yeah. um, I'm sure that they'll have something similar to that. Do I, other I, teams I'm sh- do that. Uh, I feel like OU was kind of one of the first ones to do that, but I, I feel like they'll have a big recruiting weekend during the summer. I don't know if they'll be throwing water balloons at each other and cooking out on the field or anything like that, but they'll they'll do something. Heck, they'll probably take them all to the ranch. That's the only place that they Ooh, eat at. That sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We'll wrap it up next. Stay with us.